My name is A.B. Ridgeway. I'm the host of Financial Advisor. Say the darndest things that my mom's favorite Christian financial advisor. And today we're going to discuss how to determine your regular expenses and how do you track them. Many Christian investors have a good income and every year their job gives them a raise. But for some reason, they are still living paycheck to paycheck. It is getting really frustrated for them. And the only thing that actually gives them some relief is when they hear on the news that something about inflation and something about the economy not being good. Inflation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's why I can't save. Things are just too expensive and I'm being underpaid. And when they talk to their friends and family, they have the same rhetoric and it makes them comfortable about their situation. Now, these factors can be a contributor. But this takes the accountability off of the investor and places it on things that we cannot control. And that is a recipe for disaster. In this episode, brothers and sisters, we're going to help you determine your expenses and how to track them. So you can one, see where your money actually goes. And I'm sure it's different than what you think Two, make some adjustments and direct more money into things you want to do and away from the things that you don't. And three, take control of your money and empower yourself to be the best steward of God's wealth. So number one, we have to know where our money is going. We typically live in a cashless society at this point. I mean, when's the last time that you saw a dollar bill on the ground or a five dollar bill? A lot of things are done digitally, even our statements. So a majority of you have probably got that pop up when you log into your bank account. Do you want to go paperless? They've been doing it for years. And at this point, I think a lot of people have already transitioned. All of your statements from your banks are basically online or accessible online. So if you get the paper statement, that's great. You could just pull it out during this podcast. If you have it online, you can log in and download a copy. I like to look at the past three months because things do happen month to month that are a little outside of our control. Sometimes we have an unexpected oil change or a flat tire or a need to fix a washer or a dryer. So after we've done that, we're going to take your statements and we're going to go to the list of transactions. And this is everything you have done for the month. If you have multiple accounts, you'll do this for each account. But let's just take one account at a time. So I want you to go down the list and I want you to divide the transactions into two lists. The first list is a nice to have. And the second is a have to have. For example, buying groceries is a have to have. So if you have Super One or whatever your local grocery store is, Albertsons or Safeway or Bel Air or something like that, that is a have to have. Now, ordering DoorDash is a nice to have food delivery like Postmates or something like that. That's a nice to have your mortgage. That's a have to have. You have to have a place to live. But a new chandelier in your dining room is a nice to have in finances. We call these discretionary and non-discretionary expenses. Your non-discretionary expenses are going to be your bills, things you're going to have to pay every month to live. That includes your mortgage, your auto payments, your electricity, your gas, things of that nature. If it's easier, you can actually choose two symbols, maybe like a star for those that are have to haves and maybe an X for those that are nice to have, because we're going to review this list once we go through each transaction. After you have everything separated, you're going to take your monthly income and subtract your have to have. As a bonus tip, any loans or credit card minimum payments that you have those are also considered have to haves. I don't want you to get that confused. Once you subtract your have to haves from your income, this is where we're going to get your discretionary income. This is the amount of money that is above your living expenses. This is the money that you use for 
gas. This is the money that you use for traveling. This is the money that you use for gifts and special occasions and dates. Now, this leads us to step number two. We're going to proactively start directing money to where it needs to go. For example, if you want to save 20% of your income, you're going to take that amount and put it into your savings account right off the top before you make any additional purchases, before you think about shopping on Amazon, you're taking 20% of that amount and you're just putting it into a savings account until we build up that emergency fund. As we talked about before, up to about six to nine months, just in case you lose your job or you're transitioning or there's an emergency and most emergencies are not less than a thousand dollars, right? So make sure that we have that in our savings account. If you wanna make a big purchase, this is where you can determine how much you can save toward that goal. If you do want to take a huge vacation, but you need to plan, maybe you have a big family, two or three children, the cost of the vacation is going to be two or three thousand dollars. This is where you take that money and you put it in a separate account. Now, if you feel like you don't have enough money, that you're in the negative somehow, this is where we're going to start crossing off things you don't really need. So your DoorDash orders, your three and four you may want to swipe off one or two. See if you can free up 20, 40, 60 dollars of your money and redirect that to your bigger purchases or contribute to your savings account. Number three, we're going to figure out how are we going to steward God's wealth? Now, I recommend one or two transactions that you spend on nice to haves and use that money to do something nice for someone. You know, that DoorDash we talked about earlier you swiped off that 20 or that $30 that you paid for that food delivery, take that $30 and give it to someone. And it could be in different forms. You might buy them a gift. You may take them out on a date or buy them a meal or say, listen, here's $30. I want you to treat yourself to your favorite meal, right? And let them know that they're loved and they're cherished. This way you can actually see your charity and your giving working in real life. Sometimes we give, but it feels like writing another bill another have to have, and we don't get to see the impact and it doesn't have the spiritual effect that giving should. Now, being a steward is not just paying someone else to do the work for you. It's about getting involved and participating hands on and actually contributing to a cause that you believe in. And our family needs our help. So if you're trying to get your kids, so if you're trying to get your kids a higher education, taking some of that money and putting it into a 529 plan works. If you're trying to get your child to a private school, that works. We have to strengthen our family. We have to learn that it's okay to strengthen our family so we can be better for the community. Now, this final piece is how do you track your progress? We have the nice to haves, we have the have to haves, and we have this sum of money after we've already given. Now, how do we track if we're actually improving this number? Are we going backwards? Well, there are many good apps out there like Mint.com and other financial tracking softwares. You probably can Google them. Um, at our firm, we actually have free trackers for our clients to use for their budget. You know, even people who are wealthy, you know, people who are making $500,000 and a net worth of five to six million, they still have problems with their budgets as well because most of the time they just throw money at their problems. If their car is broken, they just pay the bill. Um, if their tire is flat, if they need an oil change, they just throw money at it, right? But sometimes that can be detrimental to our income because we're spending extra money in places that it doesn't belong. 
right? So what they do, they tend to upload their statement. We sit down, we set limits on how much they can spend and see how much they can expect after three months. So if they're planning on retiring and they need an extra $50,000, that's going to be their primary goal. We're going to say, listen, if you're going to withdraw 4% from your income, we need to get up to the half a million dollar mark this year and the next two and three following. We're going to try to save 10 to $15,000. This is where we're going to save it at. And let's track our progress to see if we're on track to retire happily. Now, it's not a savings plan as much as it is a spending plan, because it's easier to control what we spend than it is to control what we save. So to put it all together, after doing this exercise for three months, I want you to set a savings goal for the year and see if you can reach it. Your primary goal may be to pay off all your credit cards. And that means that all the extra money that you found in your budget will be redirected to those credit cards and then we'll actually set an end payoff debt, right? You don't wanna have a million goals at once. I recommend start off with three, focus on those goals as you reach each one of those, mark it off the list and add a new goal. So there are actually two techniques, I'll add this little bonus here that we talked about in a different episode as far as paying off your credit card debt. Um, it's the snowball technique and the avalanche technique. You can actually Google those as well. Um, but those are easy ways to pay off your debt. Snowball technique, you line up your credit cards from smallest balances to the highest balance and you pay off the lowest ones first. And the avalanche technique is where you line up your credit card debt from the highest interest to the lowest interest and pay the highest interest first. Now, what's the difference between snowball and avalanche? Well, snowball helps you with the psychological wins. When you start paying off your credit card, it can give you some inspiration and empower you to continue savings. But mathematically, if you're really, really determined, the avalanche technique is the one you're going to choose because you pay less interest over time. Okay. So if you want to know more about those techniques, you can always sign up for a free consultation. We can kind of talk through the snowball technique, the avalanche technique, and kind of get you onto the right foot. It says in second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you're sowing sparingly into your savings, you will reap sparingly. Understanding your expenses, separating what is nice to have and what is have to haves will help you direct the money in the right places and away from the money drainers. So be sure to subscribe, like and share, because on the next episode, now that we have our discretionary income, it's time to figure out how much do you currently have in savings and what are your savings goals? As a certified private wealth professional, I have helped many Christians create financial plans that will make God proud. As stewards of God's wealth, it is imperative that we are intentional about how we spend his wealth for his glory. If you're ready to start planning for your finances and create your financial plan, schedule a consultation. Go to www.abrwealthmanagement and speak with a Christian financial advisor today. Well, that is it for me. My name is A.B. Ridgway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgway, owner of A.B. Ridgway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on its website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.